0: A very warm welcome. You're joining us at Hyde Park on Other Teranar 24. State-owned enterprise restructuring has become a key, a fundamental policy of uh, uh, President Ranul Vikramasinghe's government. His policy statements talk about uh, uh, the importance of restructuring loss making entities but in recent times there is much opposition to attempts to restructure profit making Um, state-owned enterprises as well. To discuss all of this, I've invited to our studios uh, someone who can talk about the government's approach and what specifics will be brought in, how uh, such ventures will um, bring about profit and um, restructuring to state-owned enterprises. The head of the state-owned enterprise restructuring unit, Mr. Suresh Shah,
1: a warm welcome to you. Hi Indivari, thank you. Pleasure thank to be here. Thank you for
0: being here. Um, th- first of all, I'd like to ask you now, the, he- the, the re- uh, state-owned enterprise restructuring unit, this was set up under the finance ministry, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. And uh, government has given you and the rest of uh, the, the member team to uh, come up with a policy framework. What, what is this approach now?
1: So it's the, it's the policy that surrounds the state-owned enterprises, okay. um, how the state-owned enterprise sector should function going forward, but it should comprise, and so on and so forth. So it's a fairly broad-based policy document that we are working on at the moment. Um, it's, I would say, about 80 to 90% complete as of now. And we should be getting that to cabinet uh, during the course of the next two weeks or so. Okay. Um, so hopefully, <laughs> we'll get that approved.
0: Uh, there's, there's a lot of opposition and there, there, there is narrative being built that you are attempting to sell <coughs> our most valuable public resources, our assets of the country. Uh, what is this unit trying to do?
1: So, you know, first and foremost, I must say that this narrative is extremely unfortunate. Because when you think of the country's most valuable resources, they are not these entities. Mm-hmm. Okay? Uh, to me, as a citizen, I would think that the most valuable resources we have as a country is our youth population, is our health, is our health sector, is our education sector, is our geographical location, you know, proximity to India and, and the rest of Asia, you know, kind of a gateway to Asia in a sense, uh, the ocean that surrounds uh, our country, Uh, the environment which allows us to uh, generate a lot of renewable energy. I think these are the genuine assets, the irrigation system of our country. These are the genuine assets that we have as a nation, which we should be leveraging to, to transform Sri Lanka. These small entities, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, are small entities compared to all these other things that I spoke about. These, you can't call these the national resources of Sri Lanka these are the, these are commercial entities right and w- when you think of all these other things that i told you about these are extremely small okay uh, so that i think is the very first thing that all of us need to understand that the, the we we are really not focusing on the genuine assets of the country we are focusing something else and you know trying to call these our assets and we are creating this narrative as a result which which completely takes away the focus from what we should be doing right so that's the first thing Mm -hmm. Uh, and I think this is very important for people to understand that we we, that as as a nation we really need to focus on our genuine assets and not on these small tiny things um, that are that are there.
0: Uh, Are you trying to sell these small assets?
1: well you know it's the uh, again b- when we talk about state owned enterprise restructuring unfortunately everyone focuses on the on this aspect of sale uh-huh. right but when you think of the very b- in very broad terms soe restructuring is about three very fundamental things okay first and foremost it's about providing citizens of this country with better goods and services at at reasonable prices that's the very first thing about about SOE restructuring. Okay? Secondly, SOE restructuring is about creating a competitive business environment. Mm-hmm. And why is a competitive business environment necessary? Because that, that's what attracts investment. And investment is what creates jobs. And jobs is what people get to be able to, uh, to manage their daily life. Right? So, we, so SOE restructuring is also about creating this competitive business environment. And thirdly, and very importantly, also, SOE restructuring is all about focusing government's resources on fundamental priorities. Mm -hmm. So I would think, you know, I mean, government has only a limited amount of cash. Like, you know, everyone has a limited amount of cash. Where do you spend your resources uh, for, uh, so that it gives the best outcome to the citizens, right? So, are we going to spend the limited amount of cash we have on, say, the education sector, or are we going to spend it on our healthcare sector, or are we going to spend it on building roads, right? Are we going to spend it on building, say, renewable energy, for example, or are we going to spend it on an airline? Mm -hmm. You know, this is the so this is the fundamental question that we need to ask, right? So, SOE restructuring is about these three things. Uh, Those are the objectives. Those are the end goals. And yes, as a part and parcel of that end goal, there will be certain tactics, if I say that, that will be adopted. And yes, privatization will be part of that tactic.
0: Right. So uh, again, talking about the unit itself, before we uh, speak further on uh, the entities, how big is this unit? And uh, we we understand that a lot of corporate (coughs) leaders, those who've actually uh, contributed to changing and contributing to the economy have, uh, um, have a part to play in this unit. Mm. Uh, who do you report to? Who gives you the brief on what should be done? Uh, tell us a little about that.
1: So it stems from government policy. Mm-hmm. Government policy was announced by the president in, in the budget. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's the kind of the fountain where the whole thing starts from. The unit is set up under the finance ministry. We report to the finance ministry. Uh, that's how the whole structure works. Mm-hmm. In terms of those who are on the uh, on the SOE restructuring committee itself, like you said, they are all corporate leaders. We have one gentleman who's from uh, the presidential secretariat also, so he's from the administration. But the rest are all corporate leaders. I mean, people everyone knows, uh, people of uh, the you know the highest credibility and stature. Um, the unit itself uh, is very small because you know we don't want to be spending resources <laughs> unnecessarily it's a small unit we are we are at this moment uh, and uh, it might ac- it will expand a little bit not a lot uh, we will use the resources of the uh, of, of the soes and the existing government resources to the extent possible to get our work done mm-hmm. very conscious that we are not going to spend a lot of money So, for example, you know, we don't have fancy offices, we are based at Temple Trees, one of the the buildings inside Temple Trees, Mm -hmm. another government office.
0: But what is the focus currently, apart from the policy also, Mm. of this unit? Um, We understand that you will be advising the government, the finance ministry on the way forward in terms of restructuring, Mm. reforming these um, Mm. SOEs. So, what kind of understanding does the unit have? Do you all come to the table with the understanding that you're going to privatize all these units? Or are you looking at aspects where these units, uh, some of the SOEs could be retained by government? Uh, What is the general understanding? How do you approach this topic?
1: (laughs) Yeah, so like I said, the the approach comes from those three objectives that I spoke about, right? It's about giving better quality goods and services to the citizens at reasonable prices, that's number one. Okay. Um, it, is, it, it is about uh, releasing government resources to focus into, uh, into priority areas. It's about creating this very competitive business environment. Th- those are the objectives that we have in our mind. Okay. And like I told you, yes privatization is part and parcel of that process but it's not the it's not the only thing okay. okay there are lots of other things let me let me give this to you in the form of an example as to how this whole soe thing has c- created a kind of a mess within our economy and the kind of things that we need to unravel okay, okay? so you take your mind to say 6 7 months ago when you know you were pumping petrol or diesel into your vehicle at a subsidy, mm-hmm. right? Now, this subsidy was borne by the Ceylon Petroleum Corporation, and because it was selling fuel below cost, it made a huge loss, right? Stress on its balance sheet. Now, to recover part of this loss, okay, since it was the monopoly supply of jet fuel to airlines coming in and out of the country. It was able to sell jet fuel to these airlines at a premium, Mm -hmm. right? At a premium compared to the rest of the region, right? Now, Sri Lankan Airlines, about 25 to 30 percent of their operating expenditure is jet fuel. Mm -hmm. So, because CPC making a loss was charging higher prices to the airlines, the Sri Lankan Airlines also increased their losses because they were paying more for the jet fuel than they should have, right? So, their losses went up. Now, both CPC and Sri Lankan Airlines are making losses. Mm -hmm. The government didn't have the funds to to fund these entities. So what do they do? They go to the banks asking for money. No commercial bank was willing to lend them the cash because the balance sheets were weak. Mm -hmm. The only banks that could have lent them the money was a state bank, which did so on the basis of Treasury guarantees. Mm -hmm. So the Treasury gives a guarantee to the state bank. State bank lends these entities the cash. Today, the state bank, gar- the, sorry, the Treasury guarantees are not worth the paper they're written on, because why? Government is in a financial crisis, right? So see what has happened. CPC is at a loss. Sri Lankan Airlines is running at a loss. The state banks are under pressure, because they, they aren't getting paid by either CPC or Sri Lankan Airlines. right? So who has benefited from this? As an as a individual, have you benefited? Yes, for a while you got subsidized fuel. But what happened? Then we ran out of fuel completely. Now you have a full quota. And you suddenly, you have had a very sharp price adjustment in a very short period of time. So as a citizen, you haven't benefited. right? The entities are all making losses. They haven't benefited. right? The state bank balance sheets are under stress because they are not getting repaid. And the government is I- in financial crisis. Citizens haven't benefited. Entities haven't benefited. Nor has the government. Why are we doing this? So we need to unravel all of this. So state-owned enterprise reform is about unraveling all of this. Okay? How
0: far into it are you all now?
1: So I mean, you can just imagine this is a this is an extremely complicated task. Okay, okay? because you have got to be mindful. You know, you do something here, something else somewhere gets out of control. So you got, you know, it, you tell CPC to subsidize, and at the end of it. Without even knowing about it, it's a state bank balance sheets that go under pressure. So you have got to be very careful how you unravel this. Okay, mm-hmm. so you are not going to do this in a month. No, <laughs> you're going to do this in, a, in in three or four months. It's going to take time.
0: What's the mandate and for <coughs> the unit? I mean, for ho- 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 how long uh, would you operate?
1: There isn't there isn't a, a time period mm-hmm. in okay. uh, in in that sense in the very. And also one of the other things we are doing to 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 get the kind of authority that we need. The you know the SOE policy that you were speaking mm-hmm. of will be trans will be turned into a SOE law at a point so that will give the legal framework and we also uh, gov- uh, cabinet has actually approved a holding company under which the SOEs will come um, we are in the process of forming that holding company so you know it'll be th- so we are we are looking at a system to make sure that SOEs that remain within government. Mm-hmm will be operated in an efficient, productive, competitive way.
0: Uh, why is uh, state-run C.B. CPC and other essential service service providers not under your uh, unit well, and also the state banks?
1: You, well, the CEB, CPC, I think the reform process started before a unit was set up. Mm-hmm. The ministry had taken that over. They're doing a pretty decent job with it, as we can see. So, I mean, you know, somebody is doing the job properly, let them do it why mess with that and that's yeah. fine uh, where the state banks are concerned again um you know with with the uh, with the debt restructuring and all of that there may be there, there may be things that need to be looked at which are a little bit beyond the scope of the uh, beyond our unit you know it needs a particular level of expertise um, so i uh, maybe that that again will be handled separately I think the central bank will need to be extensively involved in that process so Mm-hmm. Uh, again, that may not fall under our unit.
0: And and uh, what um, SOEs are you prioritizing for reform, restructure, privatization? I mean, whatever <laughs> uh, our viewers may call it, but
1: yeah. what are you prioritizing? So, uh, of course the bigger entities will come first, obviously, <laughs> because, you know, you attend to those and you you take a lot of pressure off. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so that that's the approach we're taking. Let's look at the bigger entities first. Let's look at the more problematic ones, because they are the ones that uh, you know, and and from a privatization perspective, also where we can bring in money quickly. Uh, so we are looking at a couple of aspects like that. And you must be knowing that uh, cabinet has already approved the privatization of I think eight entities. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we are focusing on those as well. So d- divestment, yes. Uh, but but really, I mean, what we really need to do. More than that, it, it's really the whole policy framework that's critical. And at this moment in time, in addition to the divestment, that's what we are working on.
0: How would how would you, <coughs> as uh, corporate leaders, coming in to support government uh, to to um, help with the, compile this uh, mm. r- uh, policy and restructuring of SOEs? How would you ensure that these policies don't change with? The, uh, change of government, this is a problem we have uh, seen throughout. uh Yeah,
1: I think this is one of the very fundamental challenges that we have Mm -hmm. as a country. You know, somebody comes, they put in policies rightly or wrongly, somebody else comes five years later and then all of those changes. Mm -hmm. So we need consistency and (laughs) frankly Indivari, I mean, I I think that's also a responsibility of all of us as citizens. to. We need consistency in anything, right? And w- I think we need to apply pressure on our politicians, whether it's us as individuals, whether it's institutions like the Ceylon Chamber, uh, institutions like the Bar Association. And I think there is a there is space in our country, particularly at this moment in time, because we are you know we are in a pretty serious crisis. Now all the things are easing up now. I think there is space for organisations like the Chamber, like the Bar Association other civil society movements to come together um, and basically to tell our political leaders, look guys, you know, 75 years, we've managed this country in a particular way, it's not taken us anywhere, we need to change. Uh, and here are some ways in which those changes can take place. But
0: but um, is, isn't there room to uh, regulate or bring this uh, into the books of law <coughs> so that no one can really change no, these so policies. so the challenge in Sri
1: Lanka, Indivari's, and again, I'll give you an example, mm-hmm. which is the Fiscal Management Responsibility Act, which was brought in 2003, if I'm not mistaken, right? Fundamentally, that, uh, the, that law was to prevent the fiscal deficit of government going beyond a particular point. Mm-hmm. Um, but every year since then, that has, you know, the goalposts have changed. So the challenge that we have is that our laws can be changed by a simple majority, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and let's not forget, I mean, uh, you know, we had the 17th Amendment, and then we brought the 18th Amendment, which was very much against the 17th Amendment. Then we brought the 19th Amendment, which was very much against the 18th. Then we brought the 20th, which is very much against the 19th, and so on and so forth. And it was the exactly the same people who voted for every one of those, right? Um, the, the reality. So that tells you something. So, we, so uh, now we are talking about an independent central bank bill. Uh, which is very good. Mm-hmm. I think the central bank needs to be independent of uh, of fiscal management. Um, h- how do we prevent that the independence of the central bank being taken away five years down the road? Um, you know, because simple majority in parliament, and that can happen. Mm-hmm. Um, but so we need to figure out a mechanism to safeguard these important and good pieces of legislation.
0: The opposition to uh, reforms or restructuring to SO is that um, yes, say uh, some of some of the uh, opposition members of parliament claim that uh, we need to look at structures that Singapore brought into place, mm. and some say, look, no privatization, going to joint ventures again, uh, where where you um, invite foreign partnerships uh, mm. to work with the government, or even to um, uh, to list them and then give shares out and the government also have a holding.
1: Mm.
0: Do you have a particular structure? That You know, from a citizen's
1: perspective, why does the shareholding matter? You know, as a citizen, now, I mean, take your industry, right? Um, you now, there, there are how many TV stations out there? 15? Mm. And, you know, government has two TV stations. Okay? How, what percentage of the population gets their news from Rupa Vahini and ITN? Versus what percentage get the news from say Derana or anyone at of the other stations? Okay, so why does shareholding matter? But from a, from the perspective of a citizen, what they're looking for is good quality products or services, right? Reasonable pricing and availability. But the, but the <laughs> do you care? You know, when you buy something, when you buy a packet of soap or when you buy. Uh, sugar or when you buy rice i mean are you really bothered who the shareholders is as long as your rice is of a decent quality decent price freely available uh,
0: but but the opposition is also and and the concern here is by that <laughs> side is that uh, the creation of monopolies are allowed which again oh,
1: so we are completely against monopolies which is why i keep harping on by saying that we need to create competitive environment mm-hmm. so monopoly no way we will we will not we will not create any monopolies in this process okay there may be situations where for a few years you may need you know you may not have uh, you, you may not have any option there may be a situation there are monopolies but with sunset clauses okay. so after 3 years 4 years or 5 years monopolies get taken away so we are n- in no way are we looking to establish are, are we looking to change a government monopoly into a private sector monopoly?
0: Right. Uh, do you have Do you have any investment um, interests or investors reaching out to you already for? Um oh, well,
1: Plenty of people are calling and saying, I'm interested in this, <laughs> that or something else. Yeah. But we are saying, look, we are following a very clear, transparent process. Mm-hmm. Anybody mm-hmm. who, we, we, our process is simple. Anybody who wants to submit a proposal will have the opportunity to do so because we will invite expressions of interest via advertised via publishing advertisements in the media. Mm-hmm. So anybody who wants to submit a proposal will have the opportunity to do so. So whether we are selecting transaction advisors to help us in some of these transactions, or whether it's about inviting investors, it will be through that publicly advertised process, which allows anyone who's interested to submit a proposal, Mm -hmm. there will be no unsolicited bids accepted. Um, uh,
0: What is the expected timeline also, let's say even for you to uh, put out (coughs) RFPs, uh,
1: what's the timeline? So the RFPs and the EOIs for the transaction advisors have have been put out. We wanted responses by the 20, responses were to close on the 27th Mm -hmm. of April. We got numerous requests for a time extension because of the the traditional New Year holidays. Um, I was not too happy about extending it, but because we got so many um, requests to extend, we've extended it up to the eighth of March, eighth mm-hmm. uh, of May, sorry. Okay. Um, so that's the process on the transaction advisors. So they will get their proposals. They, they will be evaluated. There is a cabinet-appointed procurement committee that will do the evaluation. Um, hopefully by End of May, towards end of May, we'll have transaction advisors in place. Um, then, of course, from that point onwards, in terms of selecting, uh, in terms of uh, calling for proposals from investors, it, it depends on the enterprise mm-hmm. uh, because that the, the, the the transaction advisors and us there are th- there is work to be done. So we need to we need to do a, a what's called a sell side due diligence, which is understand. You know, the pros and cons of the company, but the the assets, the liabilities, are there hidden liabilities, are there hidden assets? Mm -hmm. So we need to do some cleaning up, um, which is the sell side due diligence. Then valuations will have to be done. Mm -hmm. Uh, We'll have to create data rooms, uh, which allow investors to come access data Mm -hmm. uh, freely so that, you know, they can make an informed decision. So there are things that need to be done. Mm -hmm. This is going to take time. So the more complex entities will take longer. Mm Uh, The less complex entities, less time. And there are complications. So I'll give you an example. If you take, say, Sri Lanka insurance, the insurance law in the country specifies that an insurer cannot have both life and general insurance under the same legal entity. Hmm. But Sri Lanka Insurance Corporation, because it was government for some reason was allowed to continue as a single entity, although it was very much against the law. Now this is one of the problems of state owned enterprises, right? They get special treatment. Right. Um, so before before a transaction can be done on Sri Lanka insurance, it has to be unbundled. Mm-hmm. So so now that's an additional complexity. So we've got to work through all these things. Okay. So depending on the enterprise, the time will take. It right. will be different.
0: I'd like to speak further on the process, but um, we'll take a short break here at Hyde Park. We're in conversation with the head of the state-owned enterprise restructuring unit, Mr. Suresh Shah, joining us here tonight. We'll be back after this break. Welcome back, we're in conversation with Mr. Suresh Shah, the head of the state-owned enterprise restructuring unit. You were talking about a process, the due diligence to um, a lot of work which sounds complicated to us of course, but um, I'd like to understand how, again, I'm going back to the question about the unit, the unit's mandate and how we all operate. It seems like corporate leaders who have other successful entities and are very busy coming together to advise the government. But how are you going to work on this due diligence? Are you going to hire an outside party? Mm. Because we've, we've, um, we've also seen um, governments spend large sums of money on parties either to carry out uh, different services or uh, due diligence or anything, but but at times they're useful. At times, well, uh, they're questionable. So, w- what is uh, what is your yeah, plan so here?
1: So, so the due diligence, uh, it's a, a couple of things, right? Mm-hmm. So there is due diligence, there is valuation, setting up the data room. So like this, there are number. Th- there there will be an extent of marketing. So there are these five or six things that. A transaction advisor will have to do with mm-hmm. respect to any entity. Right. Um, we don't have the capability. If w- well, you can set up the capability, but it's a time-consuming. B, it's extremely expensive to do that. And then you know, once once some of these things get done, then what do you do with all those people. So these are all things that have been outsourced. Outsourced to transaction advisors. Uh, transaction advisors are usually investment banks. Uh, then of course the big four accounting firms. Mm-hmm. Some um, so it, it th- that's roughly the profile of, of these people, right? So yes, we will be outsourcing that work to them uh, again through a very competitive and very transparent process. Um, is it expensive? Well, it's not cheap. How do we pay for it? We pay for it through the uh, successful conclusion of a transaction. So usually f- th- the the usually it's a, it's a fee uh, based on the transaction value. Mm-hmm. Which also is an incentive for the transaction advisor to help increase the value that we will su- finally get for a transaction.
0: So does this mean the government will not be allocating any um, anything
1: so specifically <coughs>
0: for this unit to engage in? Uh well,
1: there, there is. a I mean, you know, there, there are people working in the unit. Their salaries need to be paid. Mm-hmm. Um, although we are in a government building, there is still a rent to be paid, the electricity. Mm-hmm. So there is a budget for all of that. Uh, by the way, I must say none of the members, none of the members on the committee are, are taking any remuneration at all. Uh, they are all working uh, pro bono. Um, but for the transaction advisors themselves, there will be payments, obviously, that we will have to make before the transaction gets concluded. Um, so for those, we will have to find the funds for those. Mm-hmm. Uh, but having said that, all those payments that we make in advance will be deducted from the final fee. So, the government will get the money back.
0: Right. I'd like to um, just just, uh, focus a little on the profit-making entities. Hmm. There's a lot of concern about the government's attempt to sell, Hmm. again, going to a sale of profit-making entities when your focus should be um, loss-making entities that need urgent reforms and restructuring. Why is this? I, before we go to that also, I'd, I'd like to quote uh, opposition leader Sajid Premadzaza who said, joint public par- uh, public-private partnerships are necessary. If they come into power, they will transform this into profit-making institutes. And leader of the National People, uh, People's Power, JVP, um, Andhra Kumar Adesanayaka said that uh, about Sri Lankan era especially, he mentioned that ground handling and catering services are profitable. But you will end up um, selling the profitable entities and leave the Mm. loss making ones Mm. going into further loss and creating um, more of a crisis for these institutions. So, what is your um, approach here in terms of focusing and trying to sell or privatize profit making?
1: Okay. So, first and foremost, again, (laughs) you know, the responsibility of government is to provide its citizens with essential goods and services reasonable quality reasonable price okay it does not need government to be the person who's doing it okay. let me let me <laughs> let me take a completely different example to kind of tell you what this means so just think of someone who has uh, who has a child okay uh, no, you know, one of the fundamental responsibilities of a parent is to educate the child, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Do you create a school for that? No, you don't. Okay, you you send the child to a school, right? So there are ways in which we can discharge our responsibilities without actually creating, you know, the whole infrastructure that's that's required to do that. So the role of government is to prov- is to ensure that citizens get goods and essential goods and services at a reasonable price and with a reasonable level of quality now there are many ways in which this cat can be built right and usually what happens is you get the private sector to do to do this why because the private sector is way more efficient in doing that mm-hmm. and the more efficient you are and in that competitive environment that i spoke to you about right that is what ensures good quality and and reasonable price okay but there is a much bigger Reason for this, government's fundamental responsibilities. Okay, what what would you think they are? It would be national security. It would be law and order. It'll be economic policy. It'll be education policy, right? It'll be healthcare policy. It's all of these things. These are far more important than running some. Company,
0: but there are also questions about <coughs> uh, sorry I'll, I'll to interrupt about yeah. a national security when it comes to privatizing the national carrier Sri Lankan
1: Airline. What's what's the private security issue around that? What's what's the national security issue around that?
0: National security in terms of an airliner. So th- these are concerns that are being brought.
1: <laughs> so up. so let me let me turn that around this way. Okay, uh, quite a few essential items are imported into Sri Lanka, right? For example, fuel and that's a fundamental product for for daily living right our power is generated the transport system uh, we need fuel fuel comes in ships do we own the ships that bring it here so you know so these are the stories that have been a- a- and i also think that i don't think anyone has really tried to explain you know, so how
0: come? How come the government, or maybe I mean, I know you're not part of the government, you, but you <laughs> are in this case, uh <laughs> <laughs> Hybrid. <So laughs> in a hybrid yeah. situation. So how come you've really not tried to take this to the general public? Because half of the people are ignorant about what's really happening. Um, yeah. There is uh, half of parliament saying, um, well. You're trying to sell all assets, and this is a very sensitive question in terms of our society, uh, national security. People take it very personal and serious. So, yeah. how come this? this yeah. Topic so has I, not I, been I dead must dead say,
1: it? part of, I, I must accept part of the responsibility of not having the communication strategy sorted out. Up to now, mm-hmm. but one of the reasons that's holding me back is also we still don't like you know the policy that we are working on. Mm-hmm. I want approval for that policy to be able to go out there and give the entire picture rather than giving you know only parts and parcels mm-hmm. of it, mm-hmm. right? Uh, but you're absolutely right. I think that communication strategy is absolutely important, and we're working on that. Um, we're putting the team together now. Um, we're trying to coincide it with the approval for the whole reform policy, and then we will work on this. Um, But, you know, I want to get back to this uh, story about Mm profit-making enterprises, because this is a very, very, uh, it's an important piece and it's highly misunderstood, okay? Mm -hmm. You know, if you think about it carefully, through the taxation system, government gets 15% of every company's revenue through the VAT system, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: okay? Every company's, every enterprise, irrespective of whether it's public or private, 15% 15% of their revenue is paid to government as VAT. Well. Mm-hmm. 30% of every company's bottom line is paid to government as income tax. Right? So without doing anything, government gets 15% of every company's revenue, okay, and 30% ev- of every company's bottom mm-hmm. line. The only difference between a publicly uh, between a state owned enterprise that is profitable. And a private sector firm is the dividends that the state-owned enterprise will pay. Mm-hmm. That's the only difference. right? Otherwise, everything else is the same. So if you analyze what this dividend number is, and if you leave out the state banks, right? The, the, over the last 10 years, if you take the average of the dividends that these enterprises have paid government, it's less than 0.4% of total government revenue okay 0.4% mm-hmm. right now if these enterprises are privatized and as a result of private investors running these enterprises better if there are if there if there is productivity and there will be productivity increases within these organizations the amount of money the government will earn through the taxation system as better corporate tax okay on the improved profitability and revenue generation of these enterprises that will more than compensate for this dividend component okay so if you look at it purely from a financial perspective right of the cash generation from these enterprises into government privatization will actually increase it very significantly right so this so the story about privatizing Profit-making enterprises is a non-starter.
0: But, but why do you prioritize this profit-making or profiting, <coughs> uh, already profiting government Will entity?
1: you buy something that, oh, I mean, just think about it, right? I mean, you want to buy a car, okay? Will you buy a car without a steering wheel? But You, you want a properly running car, right?
0: But does now that y- also mean <coughs> it's difficult for us to restructure these loss-making entities, the flip side of the coin there?
1: Let me put it this way, in the very. I mean, you know, for seventy-five years we've managed in a particular way, right? What makes you think we can change seventy-five years of our systems and our culture in six months? It's tough, right? So we so we got a window. I mean, if we want to get the reform process done and done well, I think we need to use all the levers that we have to do it, right? Um, History has told us that we haven't run our country properly. No, I mean, that's why we're in a financial crisis. That's why we had a 30-year war, Okay, That's why uh, a country that was second only to Japan at the time of independence is now way behind a lot of uh, other Asian competitor countries, right? So the, the, the same system going forward is not going to change the result we are going to be in the same situation, right? So we've got to figure out how to do these changes.
0: Um, again, I, d- <laughs> I want to talk about these profit-making entities. Um, I do understand what you, your, your, your concern here, your objectives here, and uh, your perception. But um, profit-making entities and uh, loss-making state-owned enterprises here. So if you say it's difficult to lure investments into these um, loss-making entities, how would you really um, take a kickstart in terms of either privatizing or bringing joint ventures into those loss-making entities?
1: Mm. No, I'm not saying it's difficult. Mm-hmm. So wh- what I told you, I'm, I'm just going back to what I said. You know, we have prioritized on the basis of the of the ones that are going to give you the highest return, let me say, okay. in in different ways, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. In certain instances, that return might come because you because you take pressure off the government's budget, mm-hmm. right? Uh, in certain in certain instances, the return might come because you get a higher value,
0: right?
1: Okay, but you know, fundamentally, and again, unfortunately, we are all focusing on this whole privatization story than on the whole reform business. But fundamentally, no, don't forget what I told you about the objectives. Even in the privatization, the funding is only part of it. Mm-hmm. Okay, but it's more about those three objectives that I told you. It's about providing better service, better goods to the the citizens. Mm-hmm. Best example of this was the telcos, right? You know, there was a time when you had to wait years and years to get a fixed phone. Okay, but but the whole telco sector was liberalized. It was not just the privatization, but it was just that the whole telco sector was liberalized, mm-hmm. right? And today. You know, if you want a phone, you get it. If you want a phone and a number, you can get it in five minutes. Okay, you just go, fill a form. You have a number, which is your mobile phone. Okay, so this is the kind of transformation we need. But unfortunately, we are all focusing on uh, on a change of share ownership, Th- and that's not what we should be focusing on. You know, if 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 you take let's say t- take Litro, right? There was a time. Six months ago, there was a time when you didn't have the gas. Okay? How does that help the population? Mm-hmm. Right? But in, in this process of transformation, what we, need, what we want to do is to make sure that you will never ever run short of gas again. Right? If the right investor comes in, probably the price of gas is going to come down. Right. And you'll have much better availability of the gas. So that is what we need to do. It's, it's not, it's, the, yes, the rupees and cents is part of it, but there is a much bigger picture to this.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, according to the <laughs> Ministry of Finance, Economic Stabilization and National Policies, a total of 450 SOEs uh, have incurred a loss of some 2,894 um, 2, billion rupees. This is between uh, years 2012 and 22. Uh, with the highest being recorded in 2020, the year 2020 alone. Mm. So, um, we, you mentioned about the eight institutions that have been prioritized, cabinet approved. Uh, do you see any of these uh, institutions, you can mention names, that will see reforms or restructuring brought in immediately or in the near future, and what will
1: so we are working on. Okay, wait, 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 when you talk about the 400 state-owned enterprises, mm-hmm. uh, you need to make a distinction on the things that we are working on. Okay, okay? we are working on the commercial uh, SOEs. Uh, how do we define commercial? They are revenue generating and they are for-profit entities. Right. They may be making losses, but they are fundamentally intended. <laughs> for fundamentally for-profit. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that cuts the number down from the 400 to about 130 so we need to transform all these 130 enterprises so out of these 130 some will get divested some will re- remain within government and there are non-operational ones which probably need liquidation right right so whatever remains within government we need to put the systems and processes in place to transform these into entities that again right from a from a public's perspective provides them with good goods and services at reasonable pricing mm-hmm. and we need to run these entities in a way that they are no longer a burden on the go- government's uh, budget right so th- this is this is the objective of those entities that remain how are we going to set about this like i said we are creating this uh, uh, the uh, the holding company right mm-hmm. so you spoke about the singapore model that's what singapore does there are state-owned enterprises, but they are controlled by or they are they are managed by this uh, entity which you would have heard of called Temasek. Mm-hmm. Uh, similarly, Malaysia has a similar entity called uh, Kazana. So, we are c- doing something very similar here, creating the state o- uh, the holding company that will hold the shares of the state-owned enterprises. And we'll put in the systems and processes, you know, we'll bring, you know, that private sector ex- expertise that <laughs> you spoke of that's there within our committee. Mm-hmm. And th- that's pretty extensive when you look at the names of the people on the committee. Certainly. Um, so we will bring all that expertise in and we'll create the governance structures, the reporting systems, mm-hmm. uh, the, you know, the procurement systems, and all of that to make these entities viable mm-hmm. and not loss-making.
0: And the private sector to the rescue.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, well, <laughs> s- yeah. You know, I mean, I- simple things also, right? I mean, if you take a public listed company, uh, you know that these companies are supposed to disclose their financials once a quarter. <laughs> you have to publish them, <laughs> right? But you take a state owned enterprise, which really has 22 million shareholders, mm-hmm. but they are not mandated, they are not compelled to disclose their accounts once a quarter. Now, we need to get these done.
0: Talking about transparency, <laughs> governance, Absolutely, we've been yeah, speaking yeah. about this. So this is
1: why Western. I say, you know, this whole reform process is much larger, is much broader than this very narrow story about privatization. What
0: what will be the fate of uh, the state um, workforce um, when we talk about these entities that will face restructuring?
1: Mm. From what we have heard, these entities that we are working on, there isn't a huge excess staff. Uh, from what we have heard, it's pretty manageable. Uh, and you know, also I think it's important to understand that the Sri Lankan law does not allow you to just fire people. Mm-hmm. Okay, so if there is restructuring that is required in terms of the numbers, and from what I've heard, it's it's not it's not significant, at least not amongst the entities that we are focusing on. If you have to go down that route, you have to do that through a voluntary separation scheme. So the employee needs to agree. Without that, you can't do it. So there is a safeguard already built into the laws. Sri Lankan law does not allow people to be just fired.
0: I mean, most of us are not very happy with the state service, especially when we uh, want to obtain a service from the state service. Um, Will there be efficiency training (coughs) be brought in Help the state sector, the workforce, actually do justice of to so the taxes that we pay.
1: Of course. So you know, so this is a very, f- you, you know, this is the thing we need to f- focus mm-hmm. on. You yourself say we are not happy with the services, right? Mm-hmm. So we, uh, and it, it doesn't matter who the owner is, as long as we get you the right level of service, mm-hmm. and that's the intention here, right? The ownership really doesn't matter; it's the service that matters. So that's mm-hmm. number one. Mm-hmm. In terms of the entities that remain state-owned the intention is yes to make them efficient the intention is yes to make them effective which means improving those services and for that of course you will need to train the workforce Mm -hmm. right so HR policies will be one of those policies that the holding company will make sure the right HR policies are applied to these different SOEs so it's definitely one of those policies you know there will be internal audit policies, there will be risk policies, there will be disclosure policies, and HR policies will very certainly be one of those.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, you said you're um, providing your service along with the, the rest of the members of the unit free of charge. What brings you to uh, be a part of this unit and to spend time, energy and your ex- share your expertise?
1: Belief. Belief that what we are doing is the right thing and that it's the right thing for the country Uh, For me personally, that's the only thing, (laughs) nothing else. Thank you
0: very much for your time here at Hyde Park. That's all (coughs) the time we have. We tried to talk about uh, restructuring of state-owned enterprises, uh, the approach by the newly set up unit under the finance ministry to look into uh, restructuring of state-owned enterprises. And we had with us uh, Mr. Suresh Shah, head of the state-owned enterprise restructuring unit, who was Previously, Chairman of Ceylon Chamber of Commerce and several other um, entities was also uh, Commissioner of the Securities and Exchange Commission and um, many other um, private sector organisations as well. Thank you very
1: much for your time here. Thank you indeed. Very pleasure.
0: Uh, we'll see you again next week with yet another conversation at the same time here at Hyde Park on than Derana 24. Have a pleasant evening. Good night.